Welcome to the Star Wars Collector Podcast, episode number 89. I am your host, Brian, and with me as always is my co-host, Carl. Hey, Carl. Hey, Brian. And today we've got a special guest, Eric Berry from Hole in the Ground Productions. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks. So, as always, we start out the show with what we got in the last you know month or so. And uh, we'll start out with our guest, Eric. What'd you get? Well, I, I don't get much of anything anymore. Um, I'm, I'm primarily a three and three quarter inch collector. Uh, I've picked up a couple black series in the, in the past, but I, I'm kind of out of that now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the problem is, is it, everything is pre-ordering months and months and months in advance. And yep. so there are a lot of cases where people are talking about what's found in stores. And, I, and I'm like, N- not around here unless you want to army build Lando. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it, it's like every t- Target and Walmart, you know, I could probably pick up five to seven Landos. Um, and I, I primarily shop through Big Bad Toy Store um, because they have their pile of loot function. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Yeah, that's really convenient. It, loot. <laughs> it is, and I'll spend like a dollar or two more for a figure there than a lot of other places. But that pile of loot feature—it not not only can you combine your shipping, but the shipping a lot of times is like four bucks. You know, so I can I can ship you know six figures if I let it build up, and it's so what is four dollars pile of loot? Oh, okay, so. Basically, when you pre-order things, or even if you purchase them outright, I think, uh, you can have it go to your pile of loot, which basically means they don't ship it right away. They'll mm-hmm. hold on to it, and I and I think it's for as... It's at least 90 days. I think it might even be as much as 180. I was thinking and it was 90, but I'm not positive. Yeah. I know they changed it at some yeah. point, and I don't remember whether they increased it or decreased it. Um, but if you, it's great if you have, you know, like 20 pre-orders or something, which I think is about what I'm at right now, uh, rather mm-hmm. than spend to ship that one figure, you can let a whole bunch build up and then ship it all at once. And a lot of times it's about four bucks, uh, to ship all those items. And, uh, a couple years ago when the, the excellent, excellent mold for the Return of the Jedi Boba Fett Vintage Collection came out. Um, it, it was kind of crazy. I had pre-orders in multiple places for stuff. And I and I had that figure pre-ordered at both Entertainment Earth and Big Bad Toy Store. It came in at Entertainment Earth, and they shipped it immediately because they don't have that pile of loot function, and they charged like $13 to ship that one figure. Ouch. So I spent almost $30 for one pre-ordered figure. And after that, I, I went to Entertainment Earth, canceled all my pre-orders, because that's absolutely absurd. Uh, you know, I know shipping is expensive, but it, come on, guys. So I would rather pay a dollar or two more per figure at Big Bad Toy Store, because you absolutely make it up, if not save some in the end, using the pile of loot function. Does Big Bad so, Toy Store guarantee you to get mint figures? Yes. Um, I think they have, like, you can choose grades, like standard grade, and then you can choose collector grade. But 
I've never chosen collector grade, and I don't think I've ever got anything damaged from them. It's usually always packed very, very well. Um, never really had an issue with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as far as what I've actually bought recently, the last thing I got was the uh, Black Series Darksaber prop. And that that was kind of pricey, like even with shipping, I think it was like $300. And normally I would not have done that, but I was always a big fan of the Darksaber. And... Is that Hasbro or Disney? Yeah, that's the Hasbro one. Okay. Um, but it, lo- it looks better than the Disney one, in my opinion. It It is. It's heavy, too, because it's cast metal. The, the whole hilt and everything weighs a ton. Um, well, the Disney I, one is, too. Yeah, this this one's the Hasbro Black Series one. I wasn't mm-hmm. even aware Disney had one. but I guess Yeah, they, they got one in the one. park. Okay. Um, but a number of years ago, when the Darksaber first came out and everything on the Clone Wars, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And I liked the, um, more so than the first version, but the second version of Pre Vizsla's costume, where his, uh, his helmet and armor was a little bit different. And I'm in the 501st, and I started working on a Pre Vizsla costume, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, the costume's cool, I get to use the Darksaber, I'll have to make my own, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at that point in time. And the jetpack for that costume was just, it was like the, just about the biggest Mandalorian jetpack you could have. <laughs> and I could just not get that thing to hang on me right. And I ended up selling everything but the helmet off because I had actually finished the helmet. But the rest of the costume, I sold it off before I ever finished it. And always thought in the back of my mind, eh, someday I'll I'll have to make a dark saber anyway. And then it showed up in the Mandalorian, and I'm like, hey, that's cool. I could do that Mandalorian costume. And he doesn't have, he doesn't need a jetpack. Um, and so, the price was keeping me away from it. And then at ICC Con, some guy let me hold the one that he had. He had the black suits <laughs> one, and I'm just like. It, it's one of those things. Sometimes you look at something and you're like, yeah, I can say no. And then you actually handle it yourself and you're like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> and I ended, <laughs> and I ended up, uh, you know, just biting the bullet on the, on the price tag and I, and I got a hold of that. Okay. Yeah, the, the one from Disney at the parks, it's only available in the park, is... In my opinion, not as good because it doesn't have like the little lightning bolt looks on the on the blade itself. It's just plain black with a you know with the light behind it. So it's kind of like you know that doesn't even look like the you know the ones you see. It would be interesting to see a comparison because I I didn't know they had one and this it's actually um, a series of LEDs along the edge mm-hmm. and um, it, it also. Instead of some sabers where it actually has a sensor where upon impact it makes the clash sound, this one you actually have to hit a button to trigger the clash sound, which is kind of odd. Oh, okay. And then that same button, if you hold it down um, near the edge, it'll light up a, a couple red LEDs. Not all that great, but it'll light up a few red LEDs. And that's supposed to be like if you're cutting or something like that oh, it's, supposed okay. to, it's supposed to be that effect um, 
Yeah, I think that the brightness of the LEDs could be a little bit better, but it, it's pretty cool. And every once in a while, I I go against my better judgment, and I'm just like, I just want to buy something cool, and then I do. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, is that is that all? Is that just the one thing? Uh, yeah, pretty much. As far as Star Wars stuff goes, I can't really think okay. of anything else I picked up. You haven't gotten any of the droids figures, like the R2, Boba Fett. C-3PO? No, I don't really get into variations like that. Oh, okay. Alright, that's cool. Um, uh, what did I get? Let's see. I got... I, I built a droid. I went to Disney. Went to Disney World and uh, I built a droid and got a bunch of accessories for it. I'll, uh, I'll have to bring it to the next meeting, Carl, so you can see it. Okay, now, cool. now, is that the three and three quarter scale, or is it no, that... No, like, this is the... Your, five inch or whatever six seven inch eight inch whatever that's um yeah at least eight what inches. kind of accessories do they have i didn't know they had any oh gosh they have separate panels that you can buy for it they have blasters they have rocket boosters um they now have this uh tow cable you can put on the back of it uh they have the uh the drink carrier that you can get for it, like in Return of the Jedi. You know, that R2 had on Jabba's sail barge. Um, let's see what else. I know I'm missing some. They used to have extra heads you could buy, but they're not doing that right now. I think they've quit doing all the extra parts because you can't even buy them for the sabers either like you could before. It's because they're having a hard time getting parts, period. Because I mm. only had to choose from, for the R-Series droids, for the body, it was either red or blue. And that was it. You know, no white, no black, uh, nothing else. And I really wanted to get a white one because white goes with pretty much any other color. And when you True. change the panels out and stuff like that. Um, you can get a bag for it and also different chips to make it uh, have different personalities. You know, it beeps different, you know, kind of beeps and different tone kind of... Uh, One's got, you know, a happy tone. Another one's got a, you know, angry tone, that kind of thing. Uh, now, is it remote control? Yeah, it's remote control. And it's supposed to interact with other ones as well, but I haven't figured out how to do that with my sons yet, because he built one last year. Does it have a, a, a physical remote, or is it yeah, work it's a on physical, an app of some like, sort? RF remote, or whatever you want to call it. Oh, okay. Um, I can't think of any other accessories right now. I know I'm probably missing something. Uh, let's see. What else did I get? I got a Life Day patch. They had those out this past November, and we got them at the discount Disney store that they had down there in Florida. And then also a Batu patch and a Batu hat. They actually have a different Batu hat out now at the park. It's a little bit different than the one that they had at the discount store. I got some Star Wars video games from... This uh, this guy in our club, Michael Thomas. Thanks, Michael, if you're listening. Um, got a. Have Have you played the uh, the the Lego Skywalker Saga yes. one yet? Yeah, I, I've played it. I am sorely sorely disappointed in that. Really? I I think the previous Lego Star Wars games were the, the um, well, I guess at the time they called it the complete saga, but it was just mm -hmm. six movies at that time. I liked that one a lot better. That this one just seems boring. <laughs> like there just doesn't seem to be much to do. 
<laughs> my son <laughs> loves it. There's a lot of building, and it, I don't know. We I actually just... talked about it. Was it in this past podcast, the the previous one, or maybe the one before that? I can't remember. We talked about it a little bit. Um, I haven't played a whole lot of it. I've only played like the first, like the original uh, A New Hope and Empire, and I haven't gotten to Jedi yet. But my son's beat the whole thing and is doing all those side missions and stuff and trying to get everything. But uh, the only thing I don't like about it is that the menu structure is totally different, and I'm confused on what to do and where to go. So I'm going to have to talk to him because I know he's done a lot more with it than I have. Yeah, the the menus are really confusing. I, I find sometimes with games, they put so much work into the visual design of things like menus that it actually is like, you know what? If you gave me plain text, it would mm-hmm. be a lot easier to figure out. I don't need all the fancy graphics. I just want ease of navigation. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. What else did I get? I got uh, the Vintage Collection Arc Trooper from Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, I got the Droids Boba Fett and the Droids R2. Then I got the Vintage Collection Death Watch Mandalorian. The Ahsoka from Corvus, the Phoenix Shand from the Mandalorian, uh, and the Clone Trooper 501st Legion. All those are new ones. I, unlike you guys, I guess you all just buy one of each, and that's why you're getting them from Big Bad Toy Store. But I get, I get, just get a whole case. I don't even bother with trying to, to pick and choose one here and there. I just try to get a whole wave, to know that I get, make sure I get them all. So uh, yeah, I, I, I get mine I, from Entertainment Earth. Yeah, I don't I don't buy stuff by the case unless if it's one where I know I want every figure in the case, then it then it might be, yeah. you know, where you have some army builders, you know, then it might be worth it to me. But I I think the last time I bought a case, it was I think it was the last wave that ended the first run of vintage collection and it was only available online it was it was the one that had the uh, first quote-unquote realistic version of ahsoka mm-hmm. uh that they that they've now like i think they're repacking it for like the second <clears throat> time but yeah, what's strange uh, is that even though that was probably the last the last wave that they released it wasn't actually the last figures which is kind of strange yeah but back at that time um as far as number one the the glut of Phantom Menace stuff that was just clogging everything. Mm-hmm. And and then they had and that's not to say the Phantom Menace waves weren't good. I you know, I got most of those figures. But um a lot of the figures after it were really strong and really in demand. You know, they had like uh Star Killer and Tarkin and and uh some of the expanded universe type figures Mm-hmm. And and those I started getting by the case because it, I knew I was never going to see those for <laughs> in stores because the stores still had you know fifty thousand Qui Gons and <laughs> Jar Jars yeah. and everything. And uh, don't I mean, you think that? Go ahead, Brian. Sorry. I was going to say I I know that I buy one of every figure as far as vintage collection because uh, the only ones I'm missing are. Is it 66 and 67, the Salacious Crumb and the Mouse Droid, only because they were in that uh, Death Star set from San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, I, I pick and choose anymore, and 
and quite frankly, unless they're a specific character, I'm I'm done with clones. I am more <laughs> than done with clones with all the different variations. Every time they announce a new clone, I'm like, oh, good, that saves me money. Yeah, <laughs> I don't that's have pretty much one. why I quit doing Black Series here recently, just because it, they've, oh my gosh, you think the three and three quarter inch is bad. The Black Series is even worse. I swear they've had 30 clones at least. Yeah, my, my general rule, and I I don't do this so much anymore just because I, I hardly have room for the stuff I have. But I know the feeling. I, <laughs> I used to always be, I wanted every character and every outfit they had. However, if they came out with a better mold, I didn't feel bad about selling off or getting rid of my previous <clears throat> ones. So if it was, say, a Bespin Luke, and I wanted to have, say, multiple dioramas that would have that Bespin Luke, I would just get multiples of the best one, however many I needed or wanted, um, and then get rid of anything that I thought was a lesser or an older mold. Um, but but then it finally got to the point where I'm like, hey, I don't have that much room. So, you know what? The, the Separatist characters that I thought were kind of like crappy alien designs anyway, do I need those? No. Okay, I'll sell them off. So that that's kind of the route my collecting has gone. And then there for a while, like I wasn't an army builder at all, and then I started becoming more of an army builder, but I do have my limits and I tend to buy troopers in twos. <laughs> so it will drive me crazy if I have like three of a certain kind of stormtrooper. It's like, no, it either needs to be two or four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's all I've got. Uh, that's all I can remember. Uh, Carl, what'd you get? I actually have a few more things than normal since we had our Star Wars Club swap meet picked up some stuff i already had but just for the price or trading around i just went ahead and grabbed another i got a vintage chewbacca with gun and i mainly got him because he was kind of a beater but the gun was fine and i had a nicer one that needed a gun okay so i picked up a vintage boss a vintage indoor rebel trooper picked up a vintage collection bib fortuna that that the package was beat the heck so i can open it i was wanting an opener anyway and that's a great figure it is i absolutely love it and that's why i was because <laughs> I, I keep all my vintage collection ones on card unless i get an extra because the package is part of the appeal to ask me. my wife if that's a good figure <laughs> <laughs> she hates bib fortuna <laughs> um wonder why she hates bib fortuna tuna what did he what did he do to her <laughs> it, it's his teeth i think <laughs> oh okay <laughs> Vintage Collection, Darth Maul, the Cyber Legs one. Um, the Vintage Collection, Pal- Palpatine, which I already had that one, but it was it was there and it was cheap and I wanted to rip one open, so I grabbed it. Vintage Collection, Hondo, and, and this one, surprisingly, I'd never had picked up. The Vintage Collection, Ray Island Journey. Somebody had it there for five bucks. Really? Like, you were missing that one? Yeah, and it was just five bucks. I'm like, you know, I can't leave this behind. Hey, go to an Ollie's and you'll find like a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! A, a hundred is an understatement. Yeah. Hundreds. I, I paid full price for mine because because originally too. it was uh, a Walmart exclusive. I yep, think right. It was, and I had to order mine online. I never saw it in store. And then the one day I walk into Ollie's, you know, what two three years after the fact, and man, I I 
took a photo of it to show people. I'm like, they got to have darn near 200 <laughs> of these Ray figures. And then the last time I was in there, suddenly beside them, they got Ray from Force Awakens, uh, the 5POA <laughs> one. Really? I'm like, was, where have those been sitting all this time? Well, see, me and Mark stopped at an Ollie's on the way home from um, from the Frankfurt, and we didn't see anything Star Wars in the Ollie's we stopped at. It's just like they have nothing Star Wars in here. Wow. <laughs> no, yeah, we was just kind of bummed we didn't see anything. I've seen people post pictures from all over the country with you know, or wherever the Ollie's are in the eastern half of the United States with yeah. those Ray Island journeys, like just row after row after row of them <laughs> that's crazy that we didn't see it that'd have been funny especially since i just bought one and I, thanks oh, go ahead <laughs> I, I i picked up uh i think i picked up two extra for you know potential customizing because i think they were like four bucks a piece i'm like eh, you know yeah who i picked cares up a couple too because you know what will happen it is this weird thing sometimes happens where Nobody wants the figure, or they're super easy to get, and then for whatever reason, in a few years, the value's insane. Like all, mm-hmm. like all those peg-warming Landos, like I could see yeah. in three years, people be like, oh yeah, they're selling for like $80 on eBay, and it's like, what? No one wanted them. Yeah. It's like the ice cream man that hung on the shelves forever, and, you know, and now he's in really high demand. Or Yarno, but she's still yeah. not in high demand. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, got the the droids R2 Target exclusive so that finally I finally got all three of the the figures from that exclusive and I picked uh, also at the swap meet I picked up a loose Power of the Force 2 back to tank Luke hmm. which um, I actually never did own that that was my that's my first time ever owning that that little play set of, with figure and th- thanks to Brian I have the Disney R2 W50, the Disney BB Proud, and I also picked up, I can't, it seems like when I go to one of these Star Wars Club events, if I see a Dooku figure that is anywhere between a dollar and three dollars, since I'm this huge Christopher Lee fan, I always pick one up, so I I found one there for a dollar, so I grabbed another Dooku figure. I think that gives me maybe 18 now, total, (laughs) which is not a lot, but it just seems like a lot to me, because since some of them are the same, but Anyway, and last but not least, Brian also picked me up the Star Wars Celebration Hallmark Bo-Katan. Yeah, I tried to get you that R7 TNO or whatever it was, the Ahsoka Tano droid. They didn't have any anywhere hmm. I went. I was surprised. Oh, well, well thanks for trying. plenty of both of those other ones, though. I was hoping, the, I, I thought it was a little early, but I was hoping the um, the four-pack with the Halloween ones would be out while you was down there. Yeah, it was a little early because they, they didn't have any. But that's probably the most I've had on one of our podcasts for a long time in one month. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's all we got. Uh, see, for meeting news, we got a local meeting here uh, in Flatwoods, Kentucky. It's the Ashland area meeting July the 9th. Starts at noon and goes till 3 or whenever we want to leave, I guess. <laughs> uh, as far as, like, general news, uh, they revealed yesterday, I think it was yesterday, uh, a new Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and also, a, uh, today they uh, Jawa called Tika. It's a black series. And I think the Obi-Wan's black series as well. Yeah. From Jabin. Um, a Darth Vader Boppet figure. 
I'm not sure what that is. That's one of those. Yeah, what is? It's one of those games. You know those the bop. Remember the bop at R2 and C3PO. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they're they got that. Um, I think it's similar to Hot Potato. Like yeah, it, it is. Bop it. You have to hit it. Um, General Giant released a bunch of stuff uh, over the last week or so. Uh, they got a Bausch uh, statue, Leia Bausch. Or Boosh, however you pronounce the name. Uh, a Dark Trooper. Let's see. And Ahsoka. What is this Ahsoka? What do they call that? Uh, it's where she's got the... It's from the World Between Worlds. Is that right? From Rebels. She's got the, yeah. the, the, the big cloak on and got an owl on her. Along with a staff. The, the Gandalf. Uh, the Gandalf look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, it's a Purge Trooper. That was an Obi-Wan Kenobi Purge Trooper, not a Dark Trooper. And then a Black Series Ned B. And then a three-pack Vintage Collection. It's an Amazon exclusive with a Purge Trooper, Obi-Wan, and a Jawa. Yeah, that one was an easy pass for me. See, I had to, I gotta have them all, so I got, I got it. The the purge trooper just felt felt like um, it, it was one of those things where they, they were in the Kenobi series. You see, like just one or two, mm-hmm. but they didn't really Do focus anything. on them. Like they just kind of seemed there. Like, hey, uh, let's put a new trooper in so we can sell some more merchandise. They've and had purge so, troopers before. Yeah, it, to me, just well, we had them in the game, and I think the yeah. comics or something. But to me, it felt a little bit like that clone variation thing. So I was like, I don't need those. The Obi-Wan, it looks like it's the standard Obi-Wan, and they just might have repainted the shirt. And the Jawa repack. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, easy pass. Yeah, Hot Toys has a Boba Fett 1-6 scale figure and a Cad Bane 1-6 scale figure from The Mandalorian from their duel. And it looks pretty darn good. I'm not uh, not really a Hot Toys collector because they're kind of expensive. Yeah, I couldn't. Even if I wanted to be, I could not be a Hot Toys collector. <laughs> but you know what? I, I give them credit on one thing. Somehow they are able to, because I think a lot of those six uh, uh, six scale ones, they have like cloth goods, right? Yeah. A lot of times. So they can get their pre-orders up and at least you know a prototype shown to people with cloth goods and everything long before Hasbro touches those figures mm, oh yeah and, and, and it's like come, come on ha- Hasbro has a lot more resources than Hot Toys is and Hasbro's seriously lagging while Hot Toys is always able to you know show off new stuff long before Hasbro usually does Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of companies that show off their stuff or even have it out before them. And it's like, you can't make a little tiny figure where they can make a big, huge statue or a mini bust or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I The, the one I, w- I will defend people on is when people make the comparison to Lego. And I say, well, well okay, that's apples and oranges because when it comes to Lego... 
they're not having to make molds for brand new parts most of the time. They mm-hmm. already have those molds. They just need to figure out how many of each part needs manufactured. Yeah, so or it, it just change the color. Yeah, so it's di- it's different than sculpting a figure. Yes, le- you give me a pile of Legos, and guess what? I'm I'm going to be able to build the ship that was shown just a week ago too. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And also, they of course announced another Darth Vader. Like we need another vintage collection Darth Vader. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably get him though, but because again, if it's superior to some other ones I have, I wouldn't necessarily mind it. Well, and I mean, it looks like it does have darker red eyes. <laughs> I, well, I I think too if if you have a lot of dioramas or something like that set up. It kind of makes sense because Vader's in a lot of scenes, you know. Oh, say yeah, you have a, a Bez, say you set up a Bespin duel, you need Vader. You set him on the Death Star fighting Obi Wan. There you go. The new Kenobi, uh, the bridge of the Star Destroyer, Emperor's throne room. There's so many different places you can use a Vader. So I I don't mind so much if they if they uh, give us another Vader as long as it's the best version that they. Ken. I don't like when they say, hey, Vintage Collection, this is the best in the best. We're going to reuse the sculpt from, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, that that's mm-hmm. not right. <laughs> uh, let's see, some more Black Series figures. Tala. Uh, another Purge Trooper. Phase 2 armor. Ooh. <laughs> and a Black Series 1-JAC. Or the one that looks like uh, 4LOM. Uh, let's see, General Giant has a Han Solo Stormtrooper coming out, 1-6 scale. Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff revealed. Uh, Mission Fleet Airspeeder. And that's coming at some point. All they've got is a, like a cartoon picture kind of thing. That's, uh, that's pretty much it for new stuff. So now we get to the part where we get to talk about what Eric does. So, Eric, why don't you give us some background on Hole in the Ground Productions, how you got started, and what exactly it is that you do. All right. Well, boy, it is a bit of a long story, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to summarize at least the beginning <laughs> of it. <laughs> so, uh, years ago, I um, I got into film. Uh, me and a couple of friends, that was kind of like what our plan was, you know, we were going to make movies and it was just about the time where camcorders were smaller and more affordable for your average person. And, uh, so we, we got into, you know, making short films and things like that. And of all of us, I was kind of the MacGyver of the group. So if we needed a prop for something, I was the one who could cobble something together and, and make a, make a prop. Um, and one of the short films that, uh, we had wanted to do was a star Wars fan film. And this was between attack of the clones and no, I, no, I think this, I think this was shortly before attack of the clones that we were working on this star Wars fan film. And for that, I actually had to, increase my skills on the prop making end that I even learned how to sew costumes and, and things of that nature. Um, 
<clears throat> in order to do this fan film. And unfortunately, we, we never finished it. There was some key locations we needed we weren't able to get. There was some actors. We just couldn't get the right people. And so we had to pull the plug after a while, especially when one of the cast members, like, she shot up, like, two feet <laughs> in, <laughs> in about a year's time. Uh, so there was about the time we shut down, there was another fan film coming out. Uh, you may or may not have heard of it because it, it's like almost 20 years ago at this point called um, Star Wars Revelations. And it was being shot. I, I'm in Pennsylvania. It was being shot down in Virginia. And I read something about it, I, I think on like the net, And um, they were saying how, eh, you know, they were getting near the end of production, but they were still looking for some volunteers. And I contacted them and I said, look, I got a whole bunch of props and costumes that unfortunately are never, no one's ever going to see them because we had to pull the plug on our project. And if you want any help, you know, let, let me know. Well, my, uh, my, my wife and I headed down, uh, to meet them and we, and we got to see like, uh, they had this, uh, cockpit set that was like really cool. And we hmm. got to see that. And, uh, they, they borrowed some of the Jedi costumes I had and they, they do, they do show up in the film, like they're Jedis on a holocron. So it, it's kind of monochromatic. So I probably couldn't even point out exactly what was ours, but, uh, they're there and they had a rap party that was being held at a, it's more of a Star Trek convention, but a, uh, convention in Maryland. And my wife and I had never been to a convention. And so we went down to this rap party and it blew my mind because I'm there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's like real life stormtroopers here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it And that one convention, boy, that my wife and I are now veterans of probably like 100 different conventions. But, what convention was it? Uh, it was called Shore Leave. Oh, OK. I've never heard of that one. Uh, yeah, de definitely more Trek, although that period of time, uh, there wasn't really a lot of, it, I don't think Star Trek was on the air at all in any iteration at that point. Like Stargate was the really big one at that point in time. Um, but it, you know, it went down to that and then we got to go to, um, they did like a screening of the movie at an actual movie theater and everything. So, um, my wife and I, at that convention, we had actually dressed up in some costumes we made, and uh, there was there was this production company there, and they were in pre-production on a, on an original sci-fi project they were doing, and so we were talking with them, and you know at at this time I I don't think we had smartphones we had, <laughs> I think all of us had like the Nokia or something. And, uh, so I had an actual photo album full of pictures of some of the different props and costumes I made. And I was showing them to them and they're like, oh, we could really use something like you guys to work on our project. And I said, well, you know, it, it, I don't think we really could cause we're not from Maryland. And they're like, well, where are you from? And we said PA and they told us where they were from. And we're like, you gotta be kidding me. You're like 30 minutes away from us. <laughs> so we ended up working 
on on that project and i was uh i was the props master for that and uh my wife helped out with some of the costumes and so the one convention they went to i think it was the next one uh was called farpoint and at the time it was held at the same place all the same people pretty much ran it uh it was almost like a little sister to shore leave and they said well we have a fan table and we have all this space and we don't have a lot to show because we haven't, you know, really rolled into production. Why don't you bring some of your props and put them on the table just, just to show them off? So I did. And then everyone kept asking me how much they were. And I kept saying, <laughs> no, 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 that was something I just made for myself. That's not for sale. Oh, how much is that? No, no, that, that, that I just made for myself. It's not for sale. So I told my wife, I said, uh, you know, maybe this is something I could just kind of do on the side. You know, make a few extra bucks. Obviously, people are interested in some of these props I made. And so there, there was another guy there, and he ran a space camp. And he needed some props made for the space camp. And uh, he said, well, you know, we're a nonprofit, and we... Actually, we cannot do business with someone unless they're a business. And so we were actually doing all our paperwork to actually become an official business at the same time we're negotiating this contract for uh, that job, which is still like one of the biggest things that I I made was like our first official uh, (laughs) commission. And um, so we became an official company. And then we started going to that and some other conventions. And I just started branching out as far as props go. And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of times it was, you know, someone wants Han Solo's blaster or something like that. Or early on, it was if someone asked me to make it, I never said no. <laughs> because I just needed the work. To oh, build, that can get you in trouble. <laughs> to build the business. So sometimes people would be like, ah, can you make this thing? I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> and uh, so that that's kind of how I started Hole in the Ground Productions. And the reason I named it that was um, when I had my first apartment, when I'd moved away from home, it was uh, in the bottom floor, like a finished basement of this house and on my answering machine i i had hello you've reached eric's hole in the ground so (laughs) (laughs) that was just the name i uh i I went with and so i was doing props for probably five to seven years and uh and and we started officially in 2005 so after doing props for a good number of years going to all these different shows and, and things like that um, I was on uh, Yakface forums, uh-huh. and uh, there were, there was one guy who I, I don't remember his name, but he kept like coming up with these ideas, like this is something Hasbro should do, and I, and one of them I remember was uh, Java's dungeon, you know, his droid torture rack, and was it just like, another user or like a moderator? Yeah, yeah it was another user. So. Oh, okay. He would kind of do like these Photoshop things. Like, wouldn't it be cool if they did this pack that had, say, the droid torture rack and then, uh, you know, a re-sculpt of EV-99 or something like that. So he would come up with like his own ideas. Like, wouldn't this be cool? And generally all the people answered, yes, I would buy that. Why don't they make that? 
and I I brought it up to people. I said, you know, I'm actually a professional prop maker, and really these are just little props. They're just smaller. But as far as the process of making them, it's no different than me making, you know, a blaster or something like that. It's just really small, but I'm still using molds. I'm still using the same materials for the master. I'm still using the same materials to make the final product. And uh, so I thought, you know, I'll, I'll try something simple. So I made a door. I made this door from Echo Base where it just kind of has like, uh, you know, this little frame and everything. And uh, so after I made that, I, I posted a picture of it and I said, you know what? I said I would change things. Here you go. I, th- this is what I started with. I made a door. And at that time, I had no shopping cart or anything on my website. It was people would ask me to make something I'd make it. And within like 48 hours, I must have had 20 people asking me how I can buy this door you made. <laughs> and, and at the time, I don't really know of many other people that were doing uh, diorama type stuff the way I was. And, and, th- and this was also before like everyone had 3D printers and, and things like that. So uh, there was really like no competition really. And so then some people said, oh, well, how about these crates they have? We could use some of those. So I made one of those, and then everyone to, one, wanted to buy that. And so early on, a lot of it was just requests from people. Can you make this? Can you make this? Can you make this? And uh, starting out, a lot of it was, was fairly simple. And then I just kept getting more and more complex. And then I started adding vehicles. And, uh, you know, then I started adding stuff that was, uh, you know, more of an environment, a little bit bigger. And that, that's really how I ended up where I am today was just throwing my hat in the ring and say, well, you, you know what, you want something like this, I can make it. Hmm. And a, a, lot, a lot of it, you know, there, there were things where I've made that people asked about and you know i i've seen these movies a million times and they would say have you thought about like doing this droid or something and they would send me a reference photo i'm like how did you even spot that (laughs) (laughs) i i've watched these movies so many times some people just like they watch it in slow motion i mean that's the only way you can see some of that stuff so there there's some things where you know i told him i said i'm gonna have to be very you're gonna to have to be very forgiving with some artistic license here because you know you give me one little blurry photo and that's all I have to go by I need to make some stuff up <laughs> but um, yeah so now quite honestly I I do more of the diorama stuff than I do props anymore mm-hmm. and and I've noticed this weird thing where, like, if I go to a convention, I, I can't hardly sell the diorama stuff for anything. It's a little too niche, I think, because you have to not only be an action figure collector, but you also have to be willing to put it together yourself. So it, you also have to be willing to be somewhat of a model maker. Um, so I found that does good online. Uh, the prop stuff doesn't do as good online because now everyone's 3D printers 
and they'll go and they'll download a file that someone else made. They didn't even do the modeling. They'll download it for free, and then they'll advertise on eBay that they can sell this item, and they're literally doing nothing but downloading someone else's file, hitting print on their printer, and now they're quote-unquote competition. <laughs> so <laughs> um, my my props tend to do better at in-person events, and then my diorama stuff tends to do better online and i and i've now built up a uh, a pretty good customer base where you know if i come out with something new i'm usually backlogged on whatever that item is like within the first week so what um, are some of the things that you've made star wars wise for like dioramas oh my gosh because uh, i know you I, had the the one like bridge set yeah i've now it's it's over a hundred different, completely different items. Um, the the number of diorama stuff I do, by far outstrips all the props that I've probably made over all the years. Um, I've done anything from like crates and barrels. They're always a good seller because you know it doesn't matter if you're collecting GI Joe or some sort of you know military thing or if you're doing Star Wars. Everyone can use crates and barrels, mm-hmm. uh, and so that was one thing early on. I made I made a lot of that stuff. I now have I think eight different robots, and uh, I've done some backdrop type things like walls. Like I have a, a lot of different Death Star wall panels and doorways, and um, one of the most recent things I had that was really really popular so that it you, surprised uh, me did you make like a tantive four playset type thing like they've done like hasbro actually did before they did it oh yeah that that was actually one of the first backdrops i did yeah was, i remember seeing that. that actually i think it was the first backdrop i did even before i did like uh like a death star wall which is simpler um and i have like the lobby for the the detention center and those pedal shaped consoles. I have those like for the emperor's throne room. And I also have them for the, the detention center and stuff. Cause they are different. There's sl- uh, and it's not just the decals, the, uh, the size is slightly different. Uh, I think I have eight different vehicles now. Oh, okay. Um, those are usually always pretty good. The Death Star Bridge, yeah, that that's the biggest thing that I've done. <laughs> that's, I think, like 27 inches long, and then you can get it like the full bridge or just the left half. And I think it's about like 32 to 36 inches wide, the full bridge. It's it's pretty big. Um, so that, how, that's, how much that, would uh, how much would something like that cost if somebody was looking to get stuff like that? Uh, Seven eighty for the full bridge, um, and and in all the stuff I sell, I don't sell anything that is finished. So mm-hmm. everything comes in kit form. Uh, it, if it's something that isn't self-explanatory, I have written directions. In some cases, I've even done video directions as like a like a supplemental. Uh, form of directions, uh, you know, I recommend, like, different kinds of paints and glues and, and things like that. So then people would have to, to paint them themselves or put stickers on or something like that? Yeah. Like, okay. Now, everything that 
would require a decal, uh, a lot of the stuff comes with decals. So say if it's a vehicle and it has control panels or something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that would come with decals and they're all, uh, you cut them out because they'll all be on like a sticker sheet and you got to cut them out and then it's just peel and stick at that point. And the, the graphics I have are all like really good. Um, when I first needed a decal for something, and I think it was the first vehicle I did, um, I just kind of put the word out there and I said, hey, is anyone familiar with like Photoshop or anything like that? But my, my abilities with anything like that doesn't extend past like MS Paint. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I actually have a background in AutoCAD, but as far as like the Photoshop stuff goes, I don't know how to do anything. I, I do some of that stuff, but it's it's something that it has to be something I really need done before I do it. <laughs> well, I, I lucked out. I had uh, a couple people uh, contact me, and the one guy he said, "Well, you know, I'm I'm actually a professional graphic artist." And he said, well, we could just work out something like if I work, you know, trade. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of cases, if he does the decal for something like I'll, I'll just ship him that item if he wants it for free. And and he actually works uh, for Weta in New Zealand. So wow. that, that that's that's kind of cool. Like he said, he started working there shortly before uh, Lord of the Rings when they worked on that. So, uh, you know, he, he, he just does amazing work and, and sometimes it takes a while cause he's, he's really, really busy. He travels a lot for his job. Um, so sometimes I'll have something ready to put up for sale and I'm just like waiting and waiting and waiting for the decals, but it is absolutely worth it. He does an amazing job. Um, yeah, I've seen some been, of them. They do look pretty darn good. Yeah. So that, that, that's great. And, um, so the the first vehicle that I I came out with, it was again a uh, a customer suggestion that wanted one. They they wanted this little tram that was in Echo Base, where it, it was just kind of like a boxy thing. Oh yeah. And and so that was actually the first vehicle. You talking about kit. the one that carried people from from in two places? Yeah yeah. Okay yeah I remember that. And, and so that was actually the first vehicle I ever made. I said, well, that's pretty simple. It's pretty, you know, just kind of very, very boxy. And uh, I actually had uh, Steve Sansweet bought one. And that is, like, one of the only times <laughs> I actually finished one because I got the order in and uh, I saw the name and I'm like, no. And I saw, <laughs> the, and I saw the, the city and I'm like, no. So... I messaged him and I said, I said, oh man, I said, you know, it's so cool. You bought something from me. I said, do you want the kit or do you want it finished? I said, I will finish it for you because it's you and I know you're going to have this on display and everything. And he's like, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. So I sent him a finished one. And then, um, like within a year or two, uh, I, I don't remember what celebration it was anymore. I don't remember if it was the first Anaheim one or if it was the last Orlando one. That would have been but, 2015 or 2017. Uh, 2015 Anaheim, 2017 Orlando. Yeah, I, I can't remember the year, but he had, like, his display, uh, he tries to make, like, a theme 
mm-hmm. um, yeah. every time. And that year, it was all fan-made stuff. And so he actually had um, what was my, my, uh, my I think kit. that was 2017. Okay. But, but he actually had it on display in a cabinet there at Celebration. And so I had my wife take a picture of me pointing at the cabinet. You know, I need to go I back and look that. at my pictures because I probably took a picture of it. it it's sitting beside um, the Winnebago from... Uh, Spaceballs. Uh, from Spaceballs. And then I think he also had like a Republic, like the Red Republic cruiser from the beginning of Phantom Menace. I, I think he had those all together on the same shelf. Um and then the the next celebration we were at, he did one where it was, uh, I think it was a like a tribute. Bedroom. Yeah, it was like a tribute to Carrie Fisher and Kenny Baker, and he had just come out with a book that was all fan made stuff, and it was also in the book. So, ooh, I've got that, that book. I have to look it up. Yeah, so that that that's really cool that I got my name and my business and 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 my work actually in the book. And then I, um, the do you guys have the uh, the vintage collection book that came out from Blue Milk? Yes, I do. I do. Okay, so there there's a uh, a gap between chapters where they have these different photos, and there's one of the scene from the Last Jedi where Snoke gets cut in half, and the Snoke throne in that is mine too, um, because the, the the one author Rich a lot like he used to buy diorama stuff from me, and so he had contacted me and said, "Hey, you know, we're working on this book. Do you think you could make a finished Snoke throne?" So that that was one of the other exceptions where you know I did the painting and the assembly and everything uh, for that book. So it, it it's pretty cool whenever you get to actually see your work being showcased somehow because i do kind of consider what i do is still like a like an art form do you know what page that that's on the snoke thing what was that the snoke throne do you know what page that's on uh i don't have the book in front of me it's between chapters though because they did like a couple uh photos that take place between chapters so it, it's uh, it, it, it's a spread between two pages. Okay, I'll have to look it up later then, because I, I yeah, have so. that book right here. I'm just trying to I was trying to trying to find it while you were talking. <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's a really that's a really good book. I didn't know what to expect or how in depth it was, and and it it had a lot of information like I I didn't know. So it was it was pretty cool. Um. So yeah, you know it's it's always neat, and I'm always coming out with with new stuff. Uh, the last the last piece I came out with was Kyle Katarn's Moldy Crow. Yeah, I saw that at ICCC. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, well, at that point, I I didn't even have it up for sale. It, like it was that new. I had that was my own finished one. I brought for display. I hadn't even had it up for sale yet. Um, if I'm not I mistaken, don't I don't I think to. whenever I was there, did you know the the name of it before I told you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you did or not because some people don't know it. Yeah, I always thought the design was was really cool. Like even from when you know, because I played the Dark Forces video game when it when it came out, and um, so 
you know, there's some stuff I make because people ask, and there's other stuff that I would make anyway because I always wanted it, like the uh, the ball speeder from Moss Eisley, where it's, just, where it's outside the cantina. Like as a kid, I would have bought that if they had made it, you know, because mm-hmm. it looked a little it looked a little bit like ET's ship. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you know, I always liked that thing. Well, um, I I know it just because I play the X Wing miniatures game and the HK two ninety is in or the HWK two ninety is in that game. I I actually um, had some like close up photos of that game piece that I used as reference, but. Once again, I had to really take artistic license with some stuff because there's like official artwork that was done for the Stark Forces book. And depending on the angle, it's drawn differently. You know, it's like, oh, that detail's on the wing. And then this other photo, it's not on the wing. So um, mm-hmm. I, I had to kind of say, okay, well, well, what do I want to look like? You know, what? Because I think everyone, too. That they have memories of stuff they see that are stuck in their head, and they can look at it, and they say, oh, that's exactly like I remember. And and it could actually have a lot of differences to it, but it looks enough that, like, in their memory, they say that's exactly what it looks like. For for example, one of the, one of the props I make are uh, the proton packs from Ghostbusters. Cool. And I... I have people that see it and they go, oh, that looks just like the movie. And I'm like, I can name about 20 different things that are not exactly like the movie, but <laughs> it, it, it sticks in people's minds. There's certain things they remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm really happy with the Moldy Crow. That was a, uh, a very complex vehicle. I think the thing weighs like three pounds. Um, a, a lot of big, thick, solid pieces to it. Um, it was the first vehicle I did that I actually have, uh, clear windows in it. Oh, okay. uh, Yeah. And it it is one of those things I I would say like on a difficulty level of some of the kits that that's one of the more, it's better if you have a little bit more experience, especially fitting those windows and stuff. But, um, that was the last part I made. And then the one that. I'm working on, I'm actually looking at the parts sitting in boxes ready to be molded, um, is the Virago. Oh, nice. And again, that was always one that I was disappointed that they didn't make, because even though the design looks like it belongs in Babylon 5 or something else, it, it doesn't look very Star Wars-y, um, I, I did like the design because it was so weird and so unique. And, and so that's another one. It's not like I've had tons of people saying, hey, can you make this? I'm like, no, I, I want to make it anyway just because I want to have one. And it seems I always have to, uh, or I'm always having to top myself on complexity. So it's like with this, you know, it has moving wings uh, it, it was difficult trying to figure out how you fit a figure in it. So is that the Virago's the Star Viper, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. We got that one in X Wing as well. Yeah, and it, and and again, I've I've used photos of the miniature for you know some of my reference. Now they did make a uh, like an Ertl model of it, so I have pictures of the model, I have pictures of the miniatures one, 
and I have, you know, various CGI renderings of different things. And again, there's slight variations to everything. So mm-hmm. I, I was saying, I want to make this, uh, people say this is exactly like how I remember, you know, not worrying about every little, you know, square inch of it. Um, but, but yeah, th- this one's going to be pretty complex. It's probably, uh, I think like 30 just spitballing like about 30 different pieces. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm looking at eight mold boxes and that doesn't include the wings <laughs> and, and I'm making it where it can fit two figures and where I was running into a lot of issues was sometimes the figure that goes with the vehicle is difficult to make it work. For example, if you can't make them sit. (laughs) So I thought, okay, well, what figures would go with this? Prince Seizure. Okay, so you had two of them that they've made. One that was 5 POA. So he sits with his legs straight out. And he had a vinyl skirt anyway and then you have one where they did give him knee articulation in a comic pack but again he's got a hard vinyl skirt you can't make him sit mm-hmm. so uh there was also a mandalorian figure the mandalore he came in a uh a legacy pack of three figures and he has a partial vinyl skirt piece you can make him fit <laughs> Uh, with, with his sitting and with his knees bent kind of awkwardly, but you can do it. And I, I finally came to the conclusion. I said, I can't have the characters sit at all. They're going to have to be standing up to fly it. And especially because the, the canopy or windshield or whatever you want to call it is like this weird wedge shape. And so you can't really fit a figure like right up at the windshield. He, he has to kind of fit back in the body a bit. Um, so there was a lot of designing and redesigning and making a prototype and then revising the prototype. So this is, as far as assembly goes, I don't think it's actually going to be that bad for people, but as far as designing it, it was, uh, it was pretty challenging. Oh, okay. I know the, uh, the X-Wing game had, of course, Prince Zizor in it. It also had a robot called, or an android or whatever, called Guri. Yeah, which we never got a figure yeah. of Guri. I, I always thought they really missed an opportunity with that, because when they came out with the newest Seizure that was in the uh, the comic pack, they packaged him with the most horrible-looking Leia figure that I think they... It really challenges the monkey face Leia for the most hideous Leia figure they made where she looks like she's ready to do, like, an 80s aerobics video. (laughs) (laughs) And and she's got these enormous cankles and and stuff. It's an absolutely hideous figure. And I guess their logic was, well, we want to get in one of the main characters in the comic pack. But it was the perfect opportunity that they could have packaged it with a Gurry figure. Yeah. Because it wasn't like they did a repaint. I mean, they that was an all that was all new tooling to make that awful looking figure, and I think most people would have just been like, hey, "Give us a Gurry. We still don't have a Gurry figure, and now we probably never will." Oh yeah, probably not. That's too so niche I, to uh, you know to make. Yeah. On the plus side, she has a fairly 
simple outfit, so I'll probably just customize my own. And there you go. All right, and, th- and there I go. And and she will fit <laughs> in the Virago too because there is uh, there. I have a seat in back as well as uh, the pilot seat. So, wow, that must be a pretty decent size vehicle then. That was another thing I was worried about was trying to get a figure in it, and and I kept having to scale it up and i'm like oh this thing's gonna be like three feet tall with the the wings open (laughs) and stuff i think i got it to where when the wings are open i think it might be about 28 inches is my guess which is still pretty tall Mm -hmm. and and i might have to figure out how to make a stand that people can can get with it or something because i don't know how you, you can't really sit it down even with the wings folded, it's such an awkward shape. I think you need some sort of stand to go with it. But quite on, quite honestly, you know, with all, all the distribution issues, this is now where I get most of my joy with Star Wars collecting, is being able to make stuff that people can't get. And they're getting new stuff. They're, you know, they're not getting, you know... Yeah, because they're, it, they're never going to make an HWK 290, you know, or a Star Viper. Yeah, and so it's, you know, it's not even like, oh, I made a What about a, a ghost? And I'm going to re-release it. It's like people can just buy the stuff all the time. Yeah, I, I would love a ghost. I did not back the Razor Crest because I said, I, I never really cared for the design of the Razor Crest. I always thought it was kind of boring. And I thought, where do I put this? I don't mm-hmm. have room for a lot of the big vehicles. But I tell you, if they had made a ghost, I w- I would have I would have ponied up the money on that because <laughs> I o- I always liked that design. But I, but I think they they would then owe us some realistic rebels figures. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't buy the the Razor Crest or Jabba's sail barge just because I don't have room to put it anywhere. It, I mean, it's not that I don't have the money to buy it. I just don't have anywhere to put it. Yeah, I did get the sail barge. I mean, I wish I, that I, I got the sail the... barge, but I, and I just don't have nowhere to put it. One one thing I've noticed with the vintage collection, like vehicles like that, is, it, and this is kind of funny, and I've noticed it with even a lot of other adult collectibles. Because let's face it, the vintage collection is mainly geared towards adults. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, but I, I also, uh, have collected some of the third party, uh, transformers that they, they would call a masterpiece where they're kind of like the best, most accurate version of them that you can get. And they tend to be really pricey and they'll come with a lot of accessories where they'll be like, Oh, you know, this transformer figure comes with all these accessories. And one would be like maybe a tool or something that they used in one episode of the cartoon 30 years ago. <laughs> and they include it. And we all look at that and say, wow, it comes with this you know, extra feature, or this extra part. But then you talk to a lot of the collectors and it's like, does anyone like display their figure with that part? And everyone's like, nah, they just got thrown in a bag somewhere. But we still perceive a value in some of those parts or features that we, we never use. But if we were kids, we would. And that's, I think why we value it. It, It's, it's not so much that we want it now, but we think if we had this, when we were kids, 
we would have wanted that part or we would have wanted that accessory. And it, it, it's funny because that's how a lot of the vintage collection stuff is. For example, the, uh, the skiff uh, that they had has mm-hmm. a couple removable panels with all this detail under it. And uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. the assault tank, like it oh, has yeah. all this detail on the inside of the cockpit where you're never going to see that. But you know what? If I was a kid, I would have figures like welding and working on those little removable panels. <laughs> I wouldn't do it now because to me that that's more like a like a, a, a play feature versus a display feature. Oh, yeah. you know, a, a stand is a display feature. Little removable panels, that's a play feature. But it's like we all want that. We all want that ultimate toy, even if we don't interact with the toy the same way we did as kids yeah and, I've got a, i got an eight-year-old and he plays with a lot of those toys the that <clears throat> that was uh those ones from rogue one and also the disney uh version of the sand crawler you know the, those things are so ornate and have features like that like you're talking about and, and he's all about it yeah it's, it's kind of funny and that and that kind of spreads over a bit into like how I approach some of the design stuff. Um, before I did the Moldy Crow, the, the, the biggest, the last vehicle I did before that was, I call it the Lars Speeder. Um, you, you see like a similar one around uh, Moss Eisley, but, but it's basically like that black land speeder that was in the Lars garage. That's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've made that and, you know, it's pr- it pretty much just like a big two-pound brick. Uh, <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, well, you know, I want a cockpit that fits a figure. Uh, it would have been really, really wide if it actually fit two figures side by side. So I just had to make it fit one. And, uh, you know, when I made the ball speeder, like I said, that was a vehicle I always wanted. So I had asked some people, I said, do you just want, like, a block or do you want it to fit a figure? Because you can't see the figure anyway unless you open the top. And uh, it was about 50-50 that people are like, eh, I don't really care about that. I'm never going to put a figure in it. And then other people that were like, yeah, that would be really cool. And so I made it with a with a cockpit inside, and you could actually take this little ammo crate, and it had a little slot. So it kind of had um, like playability to it. So when I did the Lars Speeder, um, I said... I know most people aren't going to use the cockpit anyway. I'm not going to put any detail in the cockpit. Maybe at a later date, I'll make like an insert where people can buy a seat or something like that if they really want it to, you know, spruce it Mm -hmm. up. But I didn't have any people saying they wouldn't buy it because it didn't have that detail inside. But I still tried to do some other things. Like I actually have in the back, there's... A little tiny removable panel, and there's a little bit of engine detail in there. I have a removable panel on top, so you can stand a figure in it. And then uh, this, what I guess is supposed to be some sort of generator on the back. It it, it almost looks like a giant R4 dome um, that's just sticking up in the back. I could have just made that nothing and just had it part of the piece. And I said, you know what? I'm going to make that removable. And people can set it up as a portable generator 
Mm-hmm. And then they could even stick another figure, like an astromech or something, in, in that area. So even though some people may never use those features, I I still approach the design as if I was designing it for a toy and what cool things and what cool features can I, I put into this. So it it it's fun. And, and that's, you know, like I said, where I get a lot of my enjoyment because the collecting i i get a box of figures from big bad toy store that i pre-ordered six months ago and it's just like it doesn't matter how nice the figures are a lot of the fun is just finding it in the wild Mm -hmm. and and so more of my enjoyment gets done just knowing i'm making stuff for other people that's cool well we thank you for coming on. I appreciate all all the time that you've spent talking about, you know. Yeah, about sorry Star if I've been long if That's I'm okay. long-winded. I'm known for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's not uh, you know, you know, when it's okay, you know, we don't uh, typically have episodes this long, but when it's for something like this, you know, it's okay. You know, people want to listen and and hear all about, you know, what you do and and uh, hopefully they'll get you some more customers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would that would that would be great. That would, that would definitely be great. Because I've seen yeah. some of your stuff, and I, they look really, really good. If I had yeah, more I, more I, room I, to do stuff, you know, because that's why I didn't buy some of the other ships and stuff that Hasbro even did. I just don't have room for it. Oh, I I know. I I was I was fortunate that a number of years ago, someone I know was downsizing. And they just straight up said, if, if you want these vehicles, you can have them. And I got a complete legacy AT-AT and a complete, well, it, it's missing some of the landing gear, but a uh, otherwise complete legacy Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. free. <laughs> oh, I have all of, just about all of the vintage stuff. And that's why I don't have room for anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the Millennium Falcon and Adat is just kind of stuffed in a corner of the room because I don't really have a place to set them out and display them. Yeah, and it and I'm fortunate. When my wife and I moved to the house we're at now, um, I have a fair amount of displaced space, and I have a lot of cabinets, and it, a majority of the cabinets I built myself from scratch like had the glass cut and everything for them. Um, and, and because buying cabinets is extremely expensive. It was, it was cheaper for me to just literally do all the woodworking and everything myself mm-hmm. or something. And, uh, it, we have cats. So it's like everything needs behind glass or <laughs> figures will disappear or whatever. Uh, especially the one that he's a climber and the other one is a thief. So, Everything needs to be behind some sort of glass cabinetry. And I have a fair amount of space, but I still have a closet like full of stuff where I don't really have any room for it. <laughs> it I always say, hashtag collector problems. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can never have you can never have too much space. True. Yeah. I All do right. have a question. Wait a minute, Brian. Go ahead. Brian doesn't like me going off topic, but I've often wondered, have you ever thought about with your dioramas branching out into other universes besides just Star Wars? Um, yeah, well, 
I'll, I'll tell you what the what the trick is with that. Um, the the first one is I I'm known for the Star Wars stuff. Yeah. So uh, it it's it's almost like I have a customer base that it knows me from that, and now it would be like joining new forums for you know whatever that that new niches. Like I did come out with um, K Rails. If you're familiar with what they are. Um, they're basically like those wedge-shaped um, concrete dividers they use on highways. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and 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 they're sometimes used as like temporary barriers and, and things like that. Um, I did a set of those just because they were extremely easy to make, <laughs> and um, they're like one of my worst sellers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm and I'm sure like if I started going to like a lot of say G.I. Joe websites or something like that, you know, I, I might pick up the orders on those. Um and I I had a friend ask me, he's like, oh well why don't you do stuff for like say the superhero figures? I'm like, okay, give me some ideas. And he's trying to feed me ideas and I'm like, uh <laughs> that's just like normal stuff. <laughs> like you get you got to give me something in particular well this one bit and then oh no that doesn't work so we were kind of brainstorming stuff and i said that that's the thing there's not a lot of things that you can do and gi joe like a lot of that is either real world military stuff which they, they've made a lot even if it's not in the gi joe line yeah you know they have other like realistic army lines of stuff if you want you know a tank or a jeep or whatever um and then the rest of the gi joe stuff is literally just made up and you know from back in the 80s i mean boy that gi joe did vehicles they did tons of vehicles and play sets and things um so it's like well, there's not really a lot to do from that um so I, I've thought about a couple other sci-fi stuff in particular that I might do. Well, one um, thing that I, that I've always wanted that I can't believe nobody's tackled online is the um, Palomino ship from the the Black Hole movie. I've always had a huge love for that movie. And I thought nobody's ever done that vehicle. I've seen them. I saw someone did like the bridge from the Black Hole once, but that little vehicle. I'm th thinking, why has nobody done that little vehicle ship? <laughs> so, uh, oh, are you talking about like the little escape vehicle or the one that they they dock when they land on the giant giant ship oh, there? Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, I do do commissions. <clears throat> no, <laughs> uh, I, I've done a couple one-offs for people yeah. where they want something. I said, yeah, yeah you're going to be the only one to probably ever buy this. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I was trying to think of some other, uh, like robots and different things. They've done a lot of figures. Like, like I have uh, Vincent from the Black Hole. You know, they, they did that. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually had started work on Buck Rogers, his ship, oh, cool. because um, they did make a toy of it back in the 70s, but that, that sucker will go for like 300 bucks if you can even find it. And, you know, it's kind of crude. It was a toy in the 70s. Yeah. Um, I, I've always wanted a Colonial Viper from Battlestar. Oh yeah, that would be awesome and, too. And they 
they never made a actual three and three quarters scale one, even though they had the figures. Yeah, uh, it made no sense why they decided to make a tiny one instead of a full size one with the figures at the time. Yeah, yeah, that, that was that was totally bizarre. So, you know, I do I do have these ideas off on the fringes where I kind of consider it Star Wars adjacent. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of Star Wars fans that would probably also be interested in, in some of those other items. Um, it, and then, you know, I've, I've thought about maybe working at a few other scales. I do sell a very limited number of things in 6-inch. And every time I come out with a new 3 and 3 quarter inch, there's someone that asks me, what scale is this? And I'm like, <laughs> this, is, this is a vehicle. It would be 3 feet long if <laughs> it was 6 inch. And not only that, what I usually tell them when they give me the little boo-hoo emoji is I say, uh, I haven't seen you buy any of the stuff I currently have in 6 inch <laughs> scale. So until those sales start picking up, I'm not really inclined to... <laughs> yeah. to start making a bunch of other stuff. I've thought about maybe doing the uh, uh, the droids I do and, and maybe do six-inch scale versions of those because I one thing I've noticed is a majority of Black Series collectors, they're figure collectors. Yeah. You know, th- there was a failed Rancor campaign. Yes, there were a bunch of reasons why that probably failed, but that failed... All the big vehicles they've done in 6-inch end up going on clearance, and even then some people say, it doesn't matter if it's $5, I don't have room for it anyway. So I thought maybe robots, 6-inch collectors might buy those because they want figures. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm really not jumping at the bit to do it, because anytime I float the idea of 6-inch out there, people are like, eh, not really. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably eventually come up with uh, some some non Star Wars stuff because you know I don't want to limit myself, and sometimes I feel like I'm starting to run out of ideas because I I've made so much. So it is nice that we uh, we get new content <laughs> coming yeah. out. Mm-hmm. I always yeah. I always watch anything new. I'm like, eh, is there anything there someone might be interested in? And I did do. Um, the cargo hauler, uh, the droid car- cargo hauler from the Mandalorian. Um, I, I've I've done that, and there's at least one thing from Kenobi that I was going to do a non-in-universe item that would be similar to it anyway. So uh, th- there is something I have in consideration. Okay, cool. All right, thanks. Um, sorry, Brian, for the off-topic, right. but I just had to ask about non-Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks, Eric, for coming on. What Was it because of that black hole thing you were asking about? <laughs> yeah, I just was curious, because I've always wondered why no one had attempted that, because Black Hole still has a cult following. <laughs> well, set, send me some pictures if you have them. I'll take a look at it. Okay, cool. I can do that. All right, uh, Carl, you want to read our outro there? Yeah, sure. Let me pull that back up. All right. Um, we have a Patreon, and I just want to thank all of our Patreon members that's helping us out. And it's never too late to join, especially since we're doing these, or Brian's doing these cool little cards that, that you can get. And um, you can, you know, subscribe and be a Patreon member for as low as a dollar a month. And that is at the patreon.com slash the Star Wars Collector. 
And we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Star Wars Collector podcast. We also have a Facebook group where you can discuss Star Wars or any other the toys or whatever Star Wars related things you want to. And you can leave us an iTunes review if you feel inclined to do so. We're also on Discord. And you can email us at TSWCpodcast at gmail.com or on reach us on Twitter at TSWC Podcast. And this month's Facebook shout out is Matt Arrowwood. Yeah, so send us uh, some of those Ask Bo questions and we'll have another Ask Bo section next time. Uh, Eric, for, for the, in case you didn't know, Bo is my son and we sometimes we have a Ask Bo section on here where we ask Bo questions that people I, send I, in. I was actually uh, listening to, to one of, I forget which podcast it was. I was listening to one of yours just today and uh, I, I, I forget what you guys were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> But but I I remember that and I and I had been partway through the episode a while back and then I just started listening today and so it started with you guys talking about something I'm like wait what what's going on <laughs> like it kind of threw it kind of threw me off of like why why is he talking about this with his son <laughs> if I may I for, I forgot to uh, to just give people the the website oh okay if, yeah if go ahead. Wanna, if you want to find it, it's hole in the ground pro p r o uh, dot com. Also have a Facebook page. I I don't do a whole lot with it, but uh, you can also check us out there. And um, if if people want to listen to another collecting podcast, I I co-host one called Kessel Run Collecting. And what we do is uh, we we specialize a little bit more in um, the arena of like dioramas and custom stuff and uh cool, so we, i'll check that out kind of like how you're interviewing me mm-hmm. like we've started doing more of of that because we actually got tired about talking about all the stuff we pre-ordered and wouldn't get for six months so we said you know what <laughs> let's change up the format uh you know get some different guests on so we've had um like if if you've heard of uh 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 Boy, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He, he's he's got his space station, Rotgut Station, um, Empire Toy Works. Uh, we had the guy from Empire Toy Works on it as a guest, and that was like a really cool show. I'm I'm not sure if you've ever seen his uh, his does space he, station. Does he do a lot of stuff with with actual wood? I think or something. Yeah, and the he, guy. And, okay. Yeah, I've yeah, seen like his he, stuff. He sells uh, like different buildings and things like yeah. that. He he just does amazing work, and it's cool because it's like something totally different than the kind of products I make. But that that guy is amazingly yeah. talented. Mm-hmm. All right, well, well, uh, thanks for again, Eric, for coming on. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was a, a lot of a lot of fun. I am always game to chat up Star Wars <laughs> with people. <laughs> Well, well, at some point in the future, we'll uh, we'll probably have you back on. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next month. Bye.